That's right, you just tuned into the neighborhood preacher. And I'm telling you, I give it to you raw, live, uncut. It's just uh, genuinity. <laughs> nah, genuinity. <laughs> Unity is definitely the key word there that we can clue in on. Hey, listen, I hope you're doing well. Uh, keep it real. And I'm definitely going to tell you how I feel sometimes. But listen, I love to have you joining me. I pray that you are prayed up. I hope that you are being stayed up. And listen, whatever wilderness or uh, place in life you find yourself, I'm right there with you. Uh, I praise the Lord that uh, I was able to hear his call on my life. Uh, it's a privilege to be used by him in any way, shape, or form. Um, I know that uh, if you're listening to me right now, whether it's been a good week, bad week, uh, some gains, some losses, listen, I know uh, how it is to just be trying to, to, to get closer to God and do your best and and reach a whole nother level uh, with him. And listen, I'm right there with you. Uh, don't feel alone. Uh, if you've been feeling depression, if you've been feeling um, a little suicidal, if you've been feeling uh, fear trying to grip you, um, doubts just coming back into uh, your presence, the presence of your life and interrupting your walk with God. Listen, I want you to know that I'm right there with you. You are not alone. Do not cast away your confidence, my friends. My brothers and sisters, listen, your neighborhood preacher is here. And I just want to deliver uh, the message of God that he's given me. I, I want to exhort you. I want to lift you up. I want to encourage you. But I just want you to know that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, people who have gone before us, people who have paid a great price to, um, to, to uh, you know, walk with God and to, to keep their faith and, and salvation. So I just want you to know that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. Those that have gone before us, those that have paved the way, those that have been crucified, sacrificed, um, laid down their lives um, in many ways. And I want you to be encouraged because I know, excuse me, I know sometimes uh, things take a turn. Sometimes it looks like they're taking a turn for the worst. But you know, uh, the devil's a liar. The devil is a liar. And, uh, you know, before you know it, I mean, you, you could be strong one day and then totally um, like the waves the next. And so with that being said, I just, I just really want to um, encourage you not to give up. And I know how it feels to to give up, to give up on the Lord, to give up on my faith, to cast it all away, and um, and I'm here to tell you that 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 that's wrong, that that that's a mistake, um, that there is such a reward in the test of time, and once you uh, begin to see the horizons, you begin to see the fruit from what God is doing that you didn't understand. Man, it is just not only the most amazing feeling, but the blessing behind it is much farther and greater and, 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 and just overwhelmingly, uh, fruitful, just, just in a way that I can't barely even explain to you just what it does to your life. So listen, push through, hang in there, uh, stick to your integrity uh, your faithfulness to God. Keep on giving um, when it when you you feel like you can't. Um, keep on forgiving when you feel like um, somebody doesn't deserve forgiveness. But listen, we all of us, none of us, um, didn't deserve forgiveness. But God, through His Son Jesus Christ, um, made even the common man, the Gentile those afar off, uh, those that were not circumcised, able to be circumcised um, by spirit through the blood and the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. So we give you the glory, Father. Listen, I know God's doing something in your life. Um, let's get into this message. I, I, I got a wonderful message. It's uh, powerful to me. It's a, it's a true story. It's a life experience. And um, I don't know, I, I, I think everybody has one of these uh, stories and uh, it has to do with being hurt in church. So 
We're going to get into that, but before we do, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11. And it says, he himself, which, which means Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, that's right, that means me and you, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge, that's right, the knowledge of the Son of God. So until we all come into this unity of faith, so, so what I gather here is like, it really, you know, it's one thing for me to have my faith and it's one thing for you to have your faith, but until we all come into this unity of the faith together, um, that's what the apostle, that's what the prophet, that's what the evangelist, the pastors and the teachers uh, are for, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. See, there's work to be done in, in the kingdom of God and especially here on the earth. But, but this work is for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man, to the measure and stature and the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried, uh, carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, sometimes, you know, you can be serving God. You can be serving it for a long time. And all of a sudden, um, you know, things become boring or idle. And you no longer feel the, the rivers of water through the Spirit of God leading you and guiding you. And sometimes you're going through the desert and things look routine and they feel routine. And the mundane things of ministry and, and helping people just becomes blah, just becomes what it is. And, and, and so therefore, you know, the enemy likes to come and entice us and deceive us and bring us another doctrine, maybe, maybe another religion, maybe another uh, um, 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 form of, 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 of spirituality. And therefore, we're on another journey or we're looking to the stars or we're looking to signs or numbers that that are, are are the same on the clock like 555 or whatever it means you know uh, it, you know it, it doesn't matter because God is the one who created it all but nevertheless nevertheless okay we 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 can't what Paul says here is 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 he put these things in place so we're not carried away to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the cunning and craftiness and the deceitful plots, right? But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him, the head, which is Christ, for whom the whole body, and that's right, the whole body is joined and knitted together by what every, by what every, <laughs> you see that? By what every joint supplies. See, you got something to supply. You have something to give to the work of God. You have something to offer. And I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've been through. You have something to not only offer God, but offer the people of God. Whether they receive you or not, you have something to offer. Now, it says every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body and the edifying of itself in love. So before I get into the message, I want, I want you to know that, that the, the idea of the church is, is, is God's idea. The idea of placing the resources in the church, like the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, that's Jesus's idea, you see. And, and I really want you to, to reflect in the Gospels. We see that Jesus definitely um, went to church. We see him speaking in the synagogues. We see uh, a lot of times that's where they plotted to kill him. But Jesus made church wherever he went. And I want you to know that he put these in place, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He put these in place for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, because there's work to be done. And these resources, these five-fold ministry gifts, they, what they do is they provide what we need for growth in the body of Christ so we can edify ourselves in love. And I think that really that's what 
um, Christ was intending, that each and every one of us that have confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are a part of the body of Christ. And here, here's, here's something special that I want to uh, remind you of in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. See, without one another, there is no love and good works. Mm. Without one another, there is no love and good works. So let us consider one another that we might stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some. See, he's saying in the manner of some, meaning some of us, some of you, even me at a time, stopped, for, we forsook the gathering, the fellowship of the brethren. And it says, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, you see, we should be getting together more and more because I'm telling you, if, if you're like me, you see the day approaching. You see the day approaching. What is the day approaching? Meaning things are getting worse. Things are becoming more normal uh, for what's wrong to be right and for what's right to be wrong. Well, according to who? According to me? According to the old school? According to my grandparents? No, according to God. According to his word. According to his standard. According to, to the standards of God and what he requires and what he desires and what he says is righteous. So we did a, a really good job of taking prayer out of school and taking God out of a whole lot of other things. Right now, you can't even put Jesus Christ's name uh, on things anymore. And the reality is, is that we will suffer persecution. And, you know, I do want to say this as a side note. Um, I, I, I hear a lot of people wanting to pray for America, for the nation, and, or for our government, and, 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 and I'm all for that, and I believe that, and I believe they need help, and I believe that uh, they need godly counsel. But I also believe that, that the lawlessness, the sin, the antichrist spirit, meaning the rejection of God and Christ, is, is mandatory to happen. I believe it's mandatory to happen for the fulfillment of the end times. There is not going to be any war, any end times, or any antichrist unless we're leading toward a government, a democracy, or a people who reject God. So, in the fact that there is going to be rejection, in the fact, the truth, and the prophecies that there is going to be an antichrist and a people who re will reject Christ and God— we must pray that we stay vigilant. We must pray that we stay equipped. We must pray that we stay stirred up. And the Bible tells me, let us consider one another that, that we might stir up love and good works. So we know that the church is, is and the gathering of the brethren and the assembling together is God's idea. That's not mine. That's not the pastor's. That's God's idea. And so what we need to do is when we start walking with God is, and it will never ever end in, in fixing things in our life, realigning them, uh, adjusting them, and replacing our knowledge with truth. You know, it's going to be endless. But what we need to do is come to this truth that, that, that church and the gathering of the brethren is, is God's idea. It is God's plan. It makes, it makes God happy. And where Christ is preached, the Bible says that all men, or he will draw all men. If we lift up Christ, he will draw all men to himself. So it's very important that we understand that the church is God's idea. Here's my question to you. Have you ever been hurt at church or by the people in it? And your answer probably was yes, we all have. We've all been hurt at, in one way, fashion, or another uh, in church by, by, uh, by what was 
maybe preached over the pulpit, maybe what was happening uh, um, uh, in the church, maybe uh, the people in it uh, somehow, some way uh, offended us or hurt us. And if you realize the church, I've always, I've always been taught this and I teach you, that the church is one great big hospital in the middle of a war zone. You know, we see, we see movies all the time and we see, you know, how they set up uh, a hospital, uh, you know, or, 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 or medics in the, the war, in the field of war. And legs are blown off. There's blood everywhere. Uh, um, you know, you know these these dudes are really uh, in in bad shape. And you know, I think a lot of times we step into church and we say, "Well, this brother's been walking with God for a while. I'm, I mean, he should he should know better. Uh, this sister's been uh, walking with God. She's one of the leaders here. She should naturally she should know better." And I and I really think that. That the truth is, is that a lot of times uh, we may know better, but that doesn't mean that we aren't susceptible, uh, subject or to to failing, or or to making a mistake. And I think a lot of times what we do is we hold people at a great expectation and a great standard, and we should. But we also have to um, realize that we are no different many times than the people who hurt us. Our sin is, or their sin is not any greater than ours. Um, we all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, read Romans 23. We all fall short of the glory of God, you know, and and in, in Romans 6, 23, you know, the Bible tells us that the wages of that sin is death. But God, you, you know, and, and yet we were still sinners, demonstrated his own love toward us. Uh, by sending his son in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But what we have to understand here is that the church is God's idea. And the church is like a hospital full of um, beat up, hurt people. And even though we have been transformed and, and we've been reconciled to God, it does not mean that we're not still under construction. And a lot of times you know, in our hurt uh, uh, or experiences of being hurt at church, a lot of times all fingers go to the pastor. All fingers go to the heads of the church or the leaders of the church. Um, and after you're done, after I was done pointing my fingers and after I was done exhorting all my energy, I was still met with the truth and God's word from our life. God's word said that I still needed to forgive as he forgave me. Wow. You know, honestly, that's a hard thing to do. And a lot of people will leave church and never return. They'll say, I tried that. Um, they're all the same. Uh, they're just like the world. There isn't anything different. And you know what? A lot of times uh, we are going through um, uh, transforming from the world. But the big thing that's different is we've confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We do not claim to be perfect. We claim to cling to the one, serve the one who is perfect, and that's Jesus. So the answer of, of, of you know, have you been hurt in church or by the people in it? And the answer is yes. You know, offenses, they come in so many ways. And, and the author of, of offense and, and discord and, uh, and division is, is Satan himself. Um, if he can deceive us, if he can stir something up between each other to cause us to be divided, then honestly, him and his army win. And I, I forbid that to happen, regardless of what the other person decides to do, I, I, I will not allow bitterness or judgment or unforgiveness in my heart. So the reality is, is we expect others to be different. I mean, we truly do. Um, we expect others to, to hold a, a standard and, and definitely not like the world. Um, but, you know, we, we expect, you know, their actions to be different and, and, we, we see their actions and their faults. And I think that that's the vulnerability 
um, in the house of God and in, in, in church, in the gathering of the brethren. I mean, we see each other's vulnerability, our weaknesses, our mistakes, our faults. And um, honestly, we're called to care for one another. We're called to consider one another. We're called to, um, you know, cover each other in love. We're, we're, we're called to walk in love with one another. And, and I, I really truly believe a lot of times, most, most of the time, we expect people to be perfect in that aspect. You know, they know the word. They know what they did was wrong. Um, they've preached to me, but yet they don't follow their own preaching. And we all fall short there. Honestly, we all do. I mean, I could judge people all day with two fingers pointing right back at me because I'm no better than the person I'm judging. And that's, it's really the truth. But going to church, um, there's a lot of reasons why people embrace the church. A lot of people embrace the church to ease their own conscience, to feel better about life, to feel better about themselves, to feel better where they're at with God. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people go to church on. I'm going to be real with you to judge others, so that they might make themselves feel better. They take a look at your works, they take a look at your worship, they take a look at your words, they take a look at what you do and how you live, and, and if they can find something that elevates them where they're doing something better or more pure, then it makes them feel better. There's some people that, that go to church because they get peace. They get, they get peace because their life literally is a miserable storm. They're in the middle of a storm, a life storm of their marriage or addiction or issues that they're having. I mean, some people go to church because they're truly lonely. They're lonely and they need others. And of course, we've been designed to, to need each other. But the reality is, is that some people go to church for, for that particularly. Some do go to church truly to grow in their walk with God, to gain knowledge, uh, to be perfected, to be a part of what God calls the body of Christ, to develop their godly character, to serve God in some shape, form, or, or capacity. And so, so there are different reasons why people go to church, but the church is God's idea. So no matter what reason you go to church, I just want to put this out there. I want to teach you today that there is always going to be a reason or a way that you can get offended. And if we look at what offended means, it's, you know, to be insulted uh, and means to hurt our feelings or have deep resentment. I, I, I've had this. I've been offended um, at a time in my life when I stepped into church or a season in my life or with certain people. Um, and being offended, you know, truly, it may not be intentional by the other person, but it still can be in your eyes. I'm going to say that again. Being offended may not even be intentional by the other person, but it can be intentional to you in your eyes. It can be wrong and improper. And it just ain't right what that brother did. It just ain't right what that sister said. It just ain't right. And I get it. The reality is, is that the church and its people, again, we are one big hospital and we're healing from the wounds of the world. I mean, man. The world can beat you up by the time that you get to Christ. Even as you're walking with God, the world has a tendency to beat you up. But if we abstain from the world and don't love the things of the world, then we'll be all right. But see, so many people really truly have been hurt in church to the point that they've never even come back 
They've never even come back to God because they've been hurt in church. And if that's you today, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you no matter where you're at, uh, no matter what you've been up to, no matter uh, where you've been going and what you've been doing. If you've been hurt in church, sometimes we just don't come back. And sometimes, most of the time, that affects our entire walk with God and we never return back to God. But I want to teach you something. Your neighborhood preacher wants to teach you that uh, becoming offended has a root. It, it has a root. And, 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 and offense, I, I want to say this, it's a spirit. See, Satan's behind the offenses. Satan knows how to get under your skin. He knows how to hurt your feelings. But all we're seeing is this person, this situation. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against the flesh, but against principalities of air and darkness. And we wrestle not against this situation or this person. And in Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians 6, 12, it says we wrestle against not flesh and blood, but a principalities uh, and spirits in the heavenly realms. Listen, Satan knows exactly what brother to use, what sister to use, what, what, what situation to use. Even, even he lets sometimes you get really, really close to people. So you go, oh, we're past the offense now. And then bam, they offend you in an area Bam, that you thought they wouldn't even offend you in because bam, they should have known better. <laughs> and matter of fact, they did. But guess what? Saints are not done. The enemy is not done. And he's not done jacking things up. And if he can get two godly people or more to resent each other, man, he's putting scores on the scoreboard. You see, offense is the spirit of offense, and we need to know how to deal with it. But becoming offended, really, truly, and I'm going to tell you from my experience, uh, it has a root, and 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 honestly, it starts with selfishness. I'm going to say that again. Uh, I'm going to, I'm I'm going to explain to you that. Um, this person was wrong. I'm not going to say the story uh, or name because that doesn't even matter. I'm not even talking about that. But I'm in a situation. Uh, the person's wrong. Uh, the person doesn't apologize. The person doesn't see the error of their ways. Uh, they can see mine though, but they can't see theirs. And, um, and they're totally in the wrong. But the reason I'm offended is because it roots from selfishness, because of the desire to be right. It truly does. Because, because when somebody hurts us, if we're mature, if we are walking in love, there's no sting to it. We learn how to say, I'm going to pray for that brother. Or I'm going to pray for that sister. Or I'm going to pray for that ministry. Or I'm going to pray for that situation. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. But we're all coming to the unity and faith of our faith with each other and in love. We're all growing into the stature and measure of Christ. So I'm not there. But this is what I've learned to get me to where I'm at now. And there's, on any given day, there's an opportunity for you to get offended at church. Trust me. I mean, sister so-and-so didn't say hi to me. Or I know that she usually like was this way with me, but I can totally see she's being this way with me now. Or he's, 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 um, um, acting different or whatever it is, whatever it is. Or, you know, he said this, it wasn't cool. And it, it could be anything. But if you give yourself uh, time, you will find that you can get offended at church. And honestly, it roots, roots in our pride. 
It roots in wanting to be right and having to be right and knowing that you were wrong and that you there, there should be something done about this. But in reality, we're going to learn what really needs to be done. But it does root in us having to be right. You see, um, I want to say this to you. The other person at church or in your church experiences can totally be 100% wrong. But we do not have the right to stay hurt. Now, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. I know this is not the norm. But we do not have the right to stay hurt even when somebody is 100% wrong and offending us. You see... um, I honestly believe that uh, the spirit of offense is a spirit because if you if you notice that that it even happened with Satan um, as he became offended that God would not share his glory with him. Yet it was also the pride. Uh, it was also his spirit of offense, uh, um, you know that that rose up because. Um, he wouldn't share his glory. And that spirit comes from the devil. It doesn't come from just wanting to be right or that person's wrong and they should make it right or they should have known better. Listen, it's going to happen. So I'm here to tell you that church hurt's going to happen. I mean, have you ever been, I mean, you know how to walk, right? I mean, you know where the corners of your house are, right? But why is it every once uh, once a year you stub your toe somewhere on a part of your house that you clearly know not to hit? Well, it, it's bound to happen. You see, but God forbid, right? God forbid that that a spiritual person does us wrong. I mean, I mean, then it's all over. Then it's totally just, just, just not cool. You see, the truth is, it's going to happen. So here's the first thing that that I'd like to teach you uh, in, in, in regarding uh, being offended or being hurt at church. The first thing we need to do is pray. You see, the enemy wants to keep your mouth shut because you're mad, because you're upset, because you're hurt. He wants to keep your mouth shut. So God has has no way to move. He doesn't want you to take your hurt, your offense to God. I'm going to say that again. Satan doesn't want you to take your hurt or offense to God. He wants you to take it to God in a prideful way, a selfish way, in the fact that you're right and they're wrong kind of way. That's not how God wants you to deal with your hurt and offenses. Now, you can deal with the person. You can talk with the person. And we'll get into that. But truly, in the depths of your heart, we need to pray. We need to open our mouth. Because once we start going quiet and stop talking to God, then Satan has a field day with our mind and everything in it. When we stay hurt and offended, it gives the devil a place. See, Satan wants to stir up division, and he'll do anything he can to stir up division in the church. Why? So we stay away from it. Why? So we begin to um, reject it, despise it, hate it, not want to take our children there, our friends there, not want to assemble there, not want to see the goodness of God there, not want to believe in what God is doing in others, not consider one another, to stir up good works and love, not to, to grow there, not to be edified, not to put our hand to the plow in some kind of way and maybe look out for something we can do for God. Satan, Satan wants to stir up division in whatever way he can do it. And the place that he loves to do it is in church. Here's the second thing that I really want to encourage you to do from being hurt at church or the people in it is realize that we are no better than the ones who are hurting us. We're no better than the ones that offended us. 
And I don't care what sin somebody else might have practiced. Our sin is no less. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Um, you know, it says that even though someone, you know, may have done us wrong, you know, the scriptures tell us, judge not that uh, that you may not be judged. And by the same measure, that will you be judged. I think, honestly, um, I don't think we take that really serious, um, that that portion of scripture. And I I really think that, that, and I hope that God is, I hope the Spirit of God is really weighing in on your heart right now, um, making a difference in what I'm saying. Listen, I've been hurt. Um, I've, I've um, experienced, you know, totally being right and the other person totally being wrong, but it didn't matter. That did not matter. What mattered is what I did with it. And most of the time I did the wrong thing with it and I learned, and then I learned how to do the right thing. But it, it, it tells me judge not, uh, that you may not be judged for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? This is Jesus. This isn't just for me or for you. It's for everybody. Why do we look at the speck in someone else's eye, even if they're totally wrong? Because we are rigged that way. It's the flesh. It's the world. It's the way in which we've been brought up and we know right is right, wrong is wrong, and we deal with it. And then we take an offense. That, my friends, is taking a perfect position for the devil to have a place in our life. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 18. And this portion of scripture is really, really um, powerful. It's, uh, it's enlightening, I'll tell you that. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 uh, through 35, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. See, a lot of times... Um, when when our brother and sister sin against us, we want to tell uh, Minnie, Minnie, Mo, and Jack alone. We want to tell the pastor alone. We want to tell brother so and so and sister so and so alone what they did. No, 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 no. It said, "Go tell your brother or your sister who who um, sins against you. Go tell him alone." And when you tell him alone. If he hears you, the Bible tells me that you you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now he's talking about dealing with someone who sins against you. Take two or three witnesses so that what you say may be established if he does not choose to listen to you alone. This is how to correctly deal with those that offend or sin against you. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. You see, that's crazy. Jesus purposely chose Matthew, a tax collector, because he was hated. He was hated like the, like, like the people hated the Roman soldiers. He was hated. He was despised. But Jesus called the tax collector to come follow him, being a person that was despised. Because we need to learn how to forgive each other after despising one another. We need to learn how to forgive each other and win each other back over by telling each other alone what sin I may have or you may have done against me. If I don't hear it, then bring two or three other witnesses that every word may be established. If I don't hear it then, if that person doesn't hear it then, 
then you tell the church. If he doesn't hear the church, then it says, treat him like a heathen or a tax collector. Verse 18, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And it doesn't mean raining down uh, hell and brimstone and calling down fire upon people because whatever you loose in heaven will be loose on earth. Whatever you bind in, on earth will be bound in heaven. He's talking about dealing with sin. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosened. Whatever you bind on earth will be, will be bound. So you're dealing with this person in sin and, you're, and you don't have to let it go. But this is how you deal with it. He says, again, I say to you, same context. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Meaning, I act as a judge. I act as a person overseeing this situation of sin that you are trying to resolve. It doesn't mean anything else. And this is the cool part. Check out who it is in the mix. Then Peter, in verse 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? He actually, you know, I'm a lot like Peter, you know. Peter it tried to give the, the right answer the first time, you know, and he went big. He was like, yo, Jesus, man, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother? So he wants to show Jesus he he's learned a little bit and he says, he says, and plus, I want to let Jesus know I am forgiving. So should it be like seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. It was innumerable. It was, it was above and beyond uh, a measure or, or a length. And then Jesus goes on to tell them what the kingdom of heaven was like. How there was a master who had a servant who owed them. And this servant pleaded with him that not to throw him into jail until he paid his last penny. And the master had compassion on him. And when that servant got out or was released, he went out and found somebody else who owed him and grabbed him by the throat, hurt him, put him in jail until he paid every last penny. And then that master found out and said, hey, look, man, how could you have done this after the grace that I have shown you? I guess that's what I'm saying to you today. Amen. And what I'm saying to you is that I've learned that people have done me truly, truly wrong, and, and I got a lot to say, and I got a lot to do, and I, I, I want to do a lot of damage, but how dare I do that when God has uh, caused a lot of grace over my life? And I ask that you forgive me if I've offended you. I've asked that you forgive others if they've offended you, and here's why. Because God has shown me and you so much grace, we need to show it to others. Amen? We truly do. We truly do. You know, what sticks out to me here is, and I'm going to finish with, with this, is Peter um, getting forgiveness, but, but saying, you know, um, how many times must I forgive? I want you to know today that there's probably somebody that you need to forgive. You don't necessarily have to call them on the phone, but that. If you're able to, that would be amazing. There's some people you just can't. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> um, there's some people that you've, you've, you've actually sent an email to, a message to, um, you've talked with them, and you've expressed things. And honestly, um, it just didn't go through. And that's okay. Grace. Grace. Love covers a multitude of sin. This causes us to truly work our faith, stir up the love of God in us, and find God in a new place, especially when somebody has truly hurt us. I know people that uh, have been hurt um, in church by people in church whether it's been uh, robbing of money, molestation, um, uh, sexual sin, um, 
cheating, um, um, just just different things where it's like, no, nah, man, there's no way. No, nah, man, I can't. I could never forgive that person. No, nah, man, that's just not right. No, nah, those people were wrong. No, nah, man. Listen, the book is still right. You know, my spiritual father always uh, shared that with me, that Danny, you know, uh, people can do this, people can do that. Even you, Danny, you can do this, this, and that, but the, that doesn't make the book wrong. Praise God. That doesn't make the word of God wrong. You know, God's got a people from way, 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 way back, a lineage of people, you know, people with a royal bloodline, people who follow the commandments or try to, people who really, really honored God. And, you know, a lot of times... Um, you know, if I look at my life, I'm not giving God, um, you know, what he truly deserves. And that's what makes, that's what propels me, what motivates me, what pushes me every day to walk with God. I'm going, no, man, I got to give you more than I did yesterday. I got to give you more of my heart than I, than I did a moment ago. I, I got to give you more uh, of, an, of, of my prayer than I did um, before, you know, and that's what drives us is to know that, we we truly didn't deserve God's forgiveness. But because of what his son did, not only did we receive his forgiveness as if we've never sinned it, and when it's been blotted out and cast as far as the east is from the west, but he's empowered us through his forgiveness for us to forgive others that can't be forgiven. Even some of the most heinous things, there's freedom in forgiveness and overcoming that spirit of offense. You know, you could say a person's name and just be like, oh man, and it just hits a place. Listen, not every Peter or not every person is that person, but there's a chain there. There's a cell that you live in because of that bitterness or that offense or that that hurt. And I really, really want to share this with you today because I believe that God wants to heal you. I believe that God wants to elevate you. And when he elevates you, he prepares an environment uh, where he has a purpose for you. Uh, God prepares an environment and puts you there with a purpose. And in those environments, there's people. And where there's people, there's offense, there's hurt, there's mistakes, there's wrongdoings. But we have to come to the unity of faith in this body of Christ, join it and knit it together as each one of us supplies. And guess what? As we're supplying, as we're doing, as we're serving, we are shedding the things of the world. There's been a new heart placed in us because of the rebirth, because of being born again and accepting Christ. But now, not, now that the Holy Spirit lives in us, it doesn't mean that we are, are free from totally you know, able to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. And the love of God is really when you're able to embrace one another in the midst of those falls and not let the devil win. Amen. Listen, this is your neighborhood preacher. I pray that if you've been hurt in church in any way, shape, or form, if you've been offended, um, if you were ruled over, if, if you were abused because of the reigning authorities and the way that the processes of church went for you, listen, there's healing for you. There is a new beginning for you. There is, um, there is light and healing at the end of this tunnel. And you have to be willing to take yourself out of that bitterness, out of that prison and say, who was I that Christ forgave me and laid down his life for me? So who am I to hold the sins of others against them when he didn't do it for you and me? Amen. Listen, you know how to get in touch with me. You know how to send me a DM. You need any prayer. Uh, if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Pass the message along. Uh, stir up people with your faith. Be the light 
in the darkness. You are called to be the light. And the Bible says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, listen, we have fellowship with one another. So listen, stay up, stay prayed up. Let's come together in the unity of faith and consider one another for uh, love and good works. I'm telling you right now, God is doing something wonderful. I believe he's doing something wonderful in your life. And I pray right now, Father, by the power of the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit, whoever's listening now, would be empowered now, a refreshing now, to move and to be, to go and to do what you've called them to do, even if it's a little move, even if it's if it's if it's a direction of of forgiveness, give them the ability through your spirit to forgive. Father, I pray for the wounds. I pray for the mistakes and and the hurts and the things that have been done to us while we were in church or serving God or getting to know your people or the people around church and in it or through it. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just give us a new heart and some new set of eyes to see it your way, according to the word that we are to deal with it by laying our offenses down before you, not allowing the enemy to have division. And Father, I just pray that you just strengthen our heart, that you give us um, just a new, a fresh path uh, to take of encouragement and healing and leaning on each other, um, not to put up these barriers and not to walk around not trusting everybody, but Lord, through you, for you to just cause us to love, cause us to get the win, cause us to bring you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for you, for your family, Every person, Father, that is under the sound of my voice that's listening, I I just pray that you bless them. I pray that you keep them and that you protect them. Father, I pray that you cause your face to shine upon them and that the anointing, the power of God, that it reach them and touch them and motivate them and give them strength to their immune system and their bodies and their spirits and their minds, Lord. And I pray that you meet the needs of your people, Father, for I thank you that you've never, ever put us to shame, that we'll never find one that believes in you begging for bread. Father, you are worthy to be praised. Thank you for all that you do. May God get all the glory. Stay up, stay prayed up to your neighborhood preacher. Until next time, I love you.